Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to Grant's Interest Rate Observer Radio. It is a pleasure to be with you as we are once a week. Before we get into today's topics, which would include such timely subjects as interest rates, a favorite of ours. Um, we're going to talk about interest rates, we're going to talk about hedge funds, and talk about uh, what is going on in the nation's grocery stores. But first, a word from your sponsor, who is uh, actually me. Uh, I'm Jim Grant. And I would like to invite you to visit our website. We on it, we have, um, it's kind of a, a shop window. We offer our wares to you to inspect. You can read some back issues. You can look at uh, articles we have published. Uh, check out the cartoons. If you take the plunge and become a subscriber, as you, uh, as you must someday, you will see an archive consisting of more than 30 years of material that really traces the history of modern-day finance. It is quite... Uh, uh, quite a proposition. And millions and millions of words. I can't believe we did that, but we did. And it's yours uh, for the subscription. Evan, let us get down to business. Good morning to you. Good morning. Yeah, Evan is the, if you please, the new deputy editor of Grants, and he knows stuff. Among other things, Evan has been watching an astonishing buildup in the Euro-dollar futures market, a recondite thing that he will now explain to us. Evan, what does all this mean? The Euro-dollar futures is a, a way of betting on uh, U.S. interest rates. And right now, the net speculators have a position, a, a record net short of 3 million contracts. And if you can actually see this graph that's sitting in front of us, it looks like a parabola going down. Uh, people have put record bets that rates are going to rise, and everyone is in the same trade at this point. So the price of these futures contracts will fall, which is the mirror image of the rates rising. Exactly. And these are short-dated money market instruments, and they're called euro dollars because they are, I guess they had their origin offshore, but still they're the basic money market interest rate device or instrument, no? Exactly. Yeah. Um, what does it mean when everyone seems to be of a mind? The Fed is of a mind. The futures markets are of that same mind. Um, it would seem, from a contrary point of view, to be setting up for something that is unscripted. What might that something or some things be? If anything goes wrong, uh, if there's any slip up in the market, all these shorts are going to have to cover at the same time, which could mean that you see kind of a sharp rally in bond prices and a sharp fall in bond yields. Well, these, these are money market instruments, really not bonds. These, these are money market instruments, but um, people are placing the same bet through multiple instruments right now. So you'll see a fall in short-term interest rates. You'll see people who had bet on higher bond prices have to cover that too. But the whole market's kind of lined up in this belief that the Fed's going to raise exactly two more times by December. Um, the Fed basically told us this when they released their economic projections uh, uh, last week when they raised rates. Uh, and the Fed funds uh, futures market is pricing this in exactly right now. The whole market's agreed on one thing, and that's there will be two more rate hikes, and we've all lined up to, uh, to, to profit from that. Well, it would seem the market is likewise agreed on the uh, on the foresight, if not the, if not the clairvoyance of our central bank, right? That, that, that the Fed actually has this has this uh, thing wired, so to speak. But exactly, yeah. everybody's completely clear on what's going to happen in the next nine months, notwithstanding the fact that we're really unsure what's happened in the in the last three months. Yeah, or what's going to happen yesterday, or tomorrow? Yes, tomorrow is a, another topic. Um, well, something something that caught my eye this week, Evan, 
was uh, news that the hedge fund world recorded its sharpest year of shrinkage last year, and at least in recent record keeping. Fees fell, funds um, went out of business in uh, large numbers, many fewer starts than before. Uh, you know, uh, our friend Paul Isaac once uh, quipped that uh, hedge funds are not an asset class, they are a compensation scheme. And um, uh, despite the years of underperformance, despite uh, disappointments and uh, uh, withdrawal of substantial sums of money from the management of hedge funds, it would seem as if the fee structure is very still largely intact. They still charge 1.5% on average as a management fee, and they uh, grab 20% of the upside to the extent there is an upside. Now, way back when, when the progenitor of the hedge fund, Alfred Winslow Jones, a great name, uh, got started, and this is the late 40s and 50s, he, um, as I heard last night from um, one of his uh, business associates, one of Jones's own associates, he did not charge a management fee. He, he collected uh, money uh, in a nominal amount for keeping the lights on, but really there was no management fee. He just got 20% of the upside. And uh, when hedge funds were riding highest, uh, maybe 10, 12 years ago, some of the uh, more accomplished actors were getting three and four percentage points simply for showing up in the morning. Uh, the world turns, uh, things change. And um, I remember at our conference last week, uh, Jack Bogle told us all the most astonishing fact, which was that Vanguard Group takes in a billion, one billion dollars a day. <laughs> one billion a day. Astonishing. Um, and what else do you know, Evan? We know uh, we were going to talk, and we did talk about interest rates. And uh, we have remarked upon the, uh, uh, the turmoil in the hedge fund world. And there was one thing else. Interest rates are one price, but uh, there's other prices. Um, prices in grocery stores are deflating. And in fact, uh, it looks like deflation is going to continue. Um, in the U.S., there's about 1,600 Aldi stores. Aldi's uh, German-based deep discounter. It has plans to add another 650. Little, another competitor, another German deep discounter is planning to build its first stores in the U.S. this summer. On top of this, uh, Amazon's kind of weighing into grocery uh, right now with its uh, Amazon Fresh uh, offering, in which it's offering cut rate prices on groceries. Walmart, not to be outdone, bought Jet last year, and now it's offering its own Jet Fresh online grocery delivery. This right here is creating an inc incredibly intense uh, competitive environment for the entire grocery sector. Uh, Walmart, Target, um, Kroger, Super Value, uh, just about every grocer out there is uh, talking about investing in lower prices, basically cutting the prices that they charge uh, to consumers in order to drive traffic. It's an incredibly intense uh, grocery price war at that moment. Right. And, and uh, I guess if you are a carpenter, everything looks like a hammer and a nail. But to me, at least, and I think to you as well, some of this intensity of competition has to do with interest rates and credit. Um, uh, the cost of capital is very, very low. Companies avail themselves of it. They expand. They, they borrow. Some of the more aggressive of the grocery store chains are speculative grade or near speculative grade, and they have been able to borrow at rates that would not have been possible or in, indeed imaginable not so many years ago. One of our conference speakers remarked that 
ultra low interest rates uh, perpetuate the lives of companies that in other circumstances might well have gone to their maker and thereby cleared the way for new competitors and for new ideas and, and new capital. In the grocery business, it seems that uh, this law of persistence, of interest rate induced persistence of weak companies is at work in a, in a big way. Exactly. Um, Fairway, which is a New York and New Jersey based grocer, is kind of a, a case in point. The company came public in 2013. It went bankrupt in 2016. In the intervening three years, it didn't generate a single year of uh, positive net income. In the summer of 2017, um, they were able to get bankruptcy financing. They, in bankruptcy, they only closed one of their 15 stores. Uh, and now they emerged as a still indebted company. Uh, this January, they actually opened a new store in Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, it's it's great for the shopper. I don't know what this portends for the uh, the overall rate of inflation. We say grocery deflation. It's not deflation in the sense of a monetary or a credit phenomenon. It is a, it is the a phenomenon of uh, of uh, I don't know of, of too much capital or too many assets chasing too few customers. I guess, uh, but it certainly has the effect of tamping down rises in prices. Indeed, of inducing falling prices. A uh, good thing for consumers and not such a good thing for the stockholders. The stockholders will only pay attention. <laughs> They've noticed this in front of their very eyes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us. And uh, Evan, I thank you. It was a, nice to do business with you in the past couple of days. We published another issue of Rand's Interest Rate Observer last night. We've been at this, what, 33 and a half years. And every single time we publish, I think to myself, another little miracle in the can. Uh, so our readers of grants and uh, aspiring readers of grants, um, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week.